Good morning. I want you guys to do the same exercise I asked the kids to do. Take a look at your hands. Now I want you to notice how your wrist flows into the palm of your hand. Notice those lines on your palm and how your fingers flow out of your palm. And now turn your hand over. And notice again how your wrist goes into the back of your hand, into your knuckles, down your fingers, and into your fingernails. Don't worry about your manicure. Just notice how beautifully created your hands are. Now I want you to look at the hand of the person sitting next to you. It's okay if you don't know them. We can touch each other. It's church. We're safe here. And notice how their wrist flows into their palm and the lines on their hand and how their fingers flow out of their palm and how their fingers flow out of their knuckles and their fingernails. Again, not paying attention to the manicure, but how God has beautifully created each hand. But they're different Each hand is uniquely created by God, each joint lovingly put into place for each one of us. Could you imagine a finger without a knuckle or a hand without a wrist? Wouldn't be very useful, would it? Each of our hands has a different purpose. It has a unique purpose. Our hands are a part of our body, but they're not our whole body, are they? And the Apostle Paul has more to say about this in the book of 1 Corinthians. Listen for God's word to us this morning. I'm going to read it from here because I can't see that. (laughs) For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect." whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, 
giving the greater honor to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, I thank you for helping me to prepare these words humbly, and I pray that you would use them for your purpose in this place and in this time for your glory through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the ancient world, using the human body as a metaphor was pretty common particularly when people were being encouraged to get along with each other. This analogy was used uh, mostly to help people kind of stay in their places. You know, rich stay rich and poor stay poor, and nobody tried to buck the system, and everybody will just be fine. But Paul does something different. He uses this very common body analogy, but he twists it. He says... He uses the body not to keep people in their places, but to place them on even ground, to encourage diversity in the body, and at the same time, interdependence among the members. He was challenging the status quo and urging the people of Corinth to treat each other as equal, despite the fact that they may have come from socio, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and despite the fact that some may have had what they thought more desirous spiritual gifts than others. They were getting distracted from doing ministry because they were so wrapped up in whose gift was better. I can just now see Paul, back then in that time, reading this letter from the Corinthians and like going, seriously, this is what you're writing to me about? You're fighting over gifts? There are more things to be worried about. See, Paul was the acting pastor of the church in Corinth. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this ancient city of Corinth. It was located on the very southern part of what we now call Greece on the little tiny isthmus, and it was a really, really important trade city, and it had these two harbors that were located about six miles from one another, and sometimes when ships would dock on one harbor, they would unload the cargo, and because it didn't take as long of a time, the sailors would just pick the ship up, and they would truck it the six miles over the island and put it in the water on the other side. I guess that was easier for them than sailing all the way around the isthmus. The culture there was predominantly Greek, which meant that there weren't very many Christians or Jews um, there in that city. There were pagans and pagan temples, and that is who the Corinthians called God. It was also known mostly for the great amount of corruption and wickedness that happened inside that city. It is not the type of place where starting a new church would be easy, but Paul had done it, and there was a group of believers that were trying to remain faithful to Jesus Christ. The problem was that in the Corinthian church, some folks thought that other spiritual, like certain spiritual gifts were better than other spiritual gifts. 
like prophecy or preaching was better than, you know, speaking in tongues or something like that. And Paul knew that he couldn't let this behavior continue. He couldn't let it go on like that because these condescending attitudes can cause division in the church. And he was preaching unity in the body. And so in his letter to the Corinthians, he gives some instructions to them that are as important today as they were back then in the ancient world. In his instructions, Paul says, we are many but we are also one. We are the body of Christ, the church. We are bound together by our faith in Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Paul urges unity and reliance on one another. And at the same time, Paul is stressing this unity. Paul's also encouraging diversity at the same time. You see, diversity, it's a good thing. It's necessary, and it's healthy in a church. I don't need, you to, need to tell you that we can't all be eyes, and we can't all be ears, and we can't all be feet, because if we were all eyes, we wouldn't be able to hear, and if we were all ears, we wouldn't be able to smell, and if we were all noses, we wouldn't be able to see. We would look really, really strange if that were the case. Can you imagine a head with all noses on it or all eyeballs? We need each other. We need each other to do ministry together. None of us is unimportant. Each and every one has value. Paul wanted the members of the Corinthian community to recognize that they had been created in the image of God uniquely created for a specific purpose. And in this uniqueness, they were also unified by the power of the Holy Spirit in one body, which is the church. No member could ascend higher than another member. No gift received from the Holy Spirit was more important than another, contrary to what some of those Corinthians thought. Paul was urging them to celebrate and rejoice because they were all one in the Spirit and at the same time uniquely gifted for a specific purpose, each being created in God's image. Now let's talk about that for a minute, being created in the image of God. What does that mean? Like I shared with the kids, none of the animals were created in the image of God, but God did create them. Only humans were created in the image of God. Only humans, male and female. And God isn't into mass production like the Federation. Oh, wait, I am getting ahead of myself. Has anyone seen Star Wars? Raise your hands, raise them high. You see, Matt and I have made the very important decision to introduce our son, who is now four and a half, we think he's of age, to Star Wars and the power of the force. It's very significant in the life of a child. See, we've watched all three movies during family movie night, and last week we watched Phantom Menace, which is the first of the prequels, which is before the original ones, but they were made, you know how it goes. 
And in that movie, along with Yoda, who is, you know, only 500 instead of 800, and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon and all of the Jedi are droids. A lot, a lot of droids. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them. Where's my slide? There they are! They are brought to the planet of Naboo, which the Federation has taken over. The Federation's the bad guys, just in case you guys were wondering. And they are brought to this little planet of Naboo in these huge transports, and they do the bidding of the Federation. And so they come in these huge transports, and the doors open up, and they're all, they come out, and they're all set down on the ground, and they all, look at them, they all have the same hands, the same feet, the same knees, the same joints, and up in space, in a spaceship, the commander says, activate the droids, and he pushes this big button, and they come to life. And I say this to you because this is not what our God is about. God does not create like that. God is about uniqueness. God patiently and lovingly molded the dirt and the clay into God's own image. And then God breathed his spirit into it. And then God said, this is good. And God was pleased with his creation. But God didn't stop there. God kept creating humans, only not out of dirt. And God created them differently because God really wants diversity in his creation. And God specifically and uniquely created each and every one of us, just like it says in Psalm 139. For you created me in your inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, God was there when you were formed in your mother's womb. God did that. God planned it. And it wasn't an accident. God knew exactly what he was doing. You are wonderfully and uniquely made, uniquely created by God. And when God created you, God designed your body specifically. God designed it to be interdependent, to depend on itself, to function. Your brain has a purpose. It's to think and to make decisions. But it would be nowhere without your heart that muscle that pumps oxygen-filled blood throughout your veins so that your limbs can work 
And your heart would be nowhere without your muscles and your bones holding it in place. Each of the parts of our body has a purpose lovingly designed by God, our creator. And so it is with the church. We, too, are designed to be interdependent, depending on each other to function. Each of us has giftedness that the body of Christ needs to function. Each of us has a purpose lovingly designed by our Creator. We need those who will teach and preach, but they are by no means the most important, by no means By no means. (laughs) We need those that will cook and will clean up, those that will care for our kids and our teens. Those are very gifted people. And for toddlers, also very gifted people. Those who will visit the sick, very gifted people. We need those who will pray for us, those who will answer the phones for us and work on the org charts to help keep us in line, and those who will work on the databases, those who will lead in worship. We need everyone's gift. As one commentator noted as I was studying for the message today, he says, Paul wouldn't want us to spend our time gazing in the mirror and asking, what gift do I have? Paul would prefer that we simply be about the business of the church, using the gifts that we have in service to one another and the world. That's why we're gifted in the first place, to give them away and to use them to bless and benefit others. There is one body and many parts. One body, many people. One body, many gifts. Each person is uniquely created. Each of us is uniquely gifted. Each of us gifted for a purpose. Like Al mentioned earlier in the service, our life groups are embarking on a new study this week entitled Just That, Gifted for a Purpose. Ta-da! In this study, you'll be able to discover who God has made you to be. You will be able to discover not only where you are gifted, and let me just say a little word about this shape assessment. It is not just the, you have the gift of healing, you have the gift of prophecy. No, 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 no. It is much more whole than that. Yes, you will learn what specific gifts you have, but you will also be able to discover and identify your passion. You know that thing that gets you going in the morning, the thing that lights your fire, the thing you cannot wait to do? And when you take that passion and you marry it, for better lack of term, to your gifts, something amazing happens. You become alive alive, and you're changed, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, and the Holy Spirit and God begin to show you where in your life you can serve so that it's meaningful and that it blesses others. Isn't that what we all want, to have a meaningful life, 
to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ and to show the love of Jesus to the world. And let me tell you, when you discover your gifts and the passion and you put them together, there is no stopping you and no stopping us. And we will be a force to be reckoned with because we want to show Jesus' love to our community, to our world, and this little shape tool can help. If you're not in a life group, I suggest try one out. You can try this class that's next hour at 11 o'clock just for this specific time. Discovering your unique purpose, your gifts and your talents, that's just the beginning, just the door. The door to a more meaningful life of meaningful service to Jesus Christ. God desires that for us. God has created us for that unique purpose. Specifically, each and every one of us has a purpose that God has created us for. So let's find out what that is. Let's do it. Let's do it together. And then let us go out there and show them the Jesus that we love the Jesus that loves them, the Jesus we hope they will know because we're gifted, they're gifted. We're created for a purpose. Let us not forget that. Let us cling to that. Amen.